Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach, rep in the South, Coach Brian Jackson. Welcome back here on the 4th Down Experience. We've missed you guys. Chris, how you doing in the new year, man? I'm doing great, man. Happy New Year. Happy New how Year to your, you. Uh, how were your holidays? We took a uh, little holiday break from everything to be with family. And, and how were your two weeks there? It went by super fast. Had a fantastic time with family and and even got to work out with some kickers and and all. How was yours? It was great. Uh even got a chance to spend about 36 hours with one of my kicking coach friends. Had a fantastic little mini camp in Mississippi. <laughs> uh, basically, the New Year's camp. So, uh, yep. that was fun to be down there. However, it was cold. Yep. Chris brought his wintry um, weather down to Mississippi, and we held a mini camp a couple days before New Year's. And But we, uh, we improved some guys and got them better. Yes. Yes, so that was great. So... Well, guys, we're excited for this podcast for you, um, and actually excited for what we have in store for January. We have some fantastic NFL kickers lined up here for interviews here over the next few weeks, and so and punters, just, and punters, yes. And so, stay tuned here. Make sure you subscribe to these podcasts because you'll get the first alert when it goes live. But we have some great guys lined up, some ones that have made a, some big impacts in the league in their first few years of uh, being in the league. So. So stay tuned. Yeah, um, a lot of guys um, are in the playoffs, or they just finished uh, their season. So uh, we got a, a short uh, and quick, um, but yet still very useful podcast episode eight today. Um, we didn't do one there on New Year's just because of the holiday, and, and everyone's just so busy. So we're back at it again on the grind, and and again, like Chris said, we have some very credible. Um, NFL specialist on the line that we are so stoked to interview, uh, as well as uh, provide you guys free and, and useful information. Perfect. So, quick tidbit before we get into the subject matter of our podcast. Our international special teams podcast hit a milestone just the last week here with a thousand listeners. Wow. Just seven episodes. That's amazing. We did uh, it. So. So currently we are at 1,025, so our, I guess our next goal is uh, 2,000 listeners. So please help us out, and if you like what you hear, share it with your friends because we got some fun stuff coming up. Definitely, and you know, guys, the one of the biggest platforms you can share this stuff is on Twitter, and you can find us on 4th Down Experience. You just type it up, 4th Down EXP on Twitter, and, you know, just give us a retweet, you know, or quote it and tag one of your friends, and, you know, we're, we're providing free, valuable information. Uh, these guests that come on here um, that we talk with, they come on for free, and they provide you um, inside information. So uh, help us out and, and retweet us and, and maybe tell a few friends, like, like Chris said. Well, perfect. So we have three topics for the, uh, inter- or for the podcast here. First one is we're obviously going to recap the national championship game that was yesterday. Roll Tide. Then we actually are going to interview, or I'm going to interview, our fellow podcaster, Brian Jackson. <laughs> we got some interesting and exciting uh, uh, news about Brian and what he has been involved with. We'll touch on that in just a sec. And then our industry advice, we are going to talk about official visits. So mm-hmm. those are our three main topic points, and I think you're going to like what we're going to talk about. So let's start it off. Segment one, let's just talk about the big game yesterday. So, uh, Brian, what were your thoughts so far? All right, like overall, I thought there was some good hype and bad hype. You know, I think obviously it's easy for me being down here in Alabama and being in the South. And, and, you know, I know that the SEC struggled this year. However, you know, the, the, the strength of schedule and the teams that these guys played I thought the committee did a fairly good job picking the top four. Um, and obviously on my Twitter, uh, on my personal Twitter, Team Jackson Kick, I put a little poll out there 
saying should out you know Alabama, uh, should Georgia should have been UCF, you know, or, or Ohio State or whatever should have been the final final two and and actually out of 350 plus votes, uh, 40 percent of voters chose UCF. So, you know, I, I still think that the committee did a good, did a good job picking those four teams and Alabama had to prove themselves. They had to beat Clemson again or beat Clemson after last year losing to them. And then, you know, Georgia, I mean, brought it to them hard last night and, and it was just an epic ending. Uh, what an awesome uh, performance by Tua. And I think Alabama fans are stoked and excited. I am um, about the future. And so, I mean, just from a generic standpoint right now, uh, before we get any more before, I want to hear your thoughts too, Chris, but, a generic standpoint, I'm just happy with how they picked the top four and how it played <laughs> out, and, and it worked well for Alabama, and it just so happens that I'm a fan of, of Roll Tide. So, Chris, what were your thoughts? Well, I think overall, so Bama was third seed, right? Were they the third seed in the playoffs, or was it fourth? I believe they were four, and they played one Clemson. Yeah. I think all the matchups are great. You know, personally, just from the Midwest, I'm a Big Ten guy, but I though I love to follow the SEC, uh, you know, I thought it would have been great to get Wisconsin in the mix or a Big Ten school, but, you know, the four teams didn't disappoint for sure. So I thought it was a great game. It was fun to watch. Um, you know, special teams ended up being a big factor, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, uh, you know, if I'm reflecting over the last two years, uh, I think last year's was my favorite, but this one is a, a definitely a close second in terms of just how it came down to the final play and uh, overtime and things like that. So, I really liked how Saban reacted. It showed something on, uh, I think, ESPN or SportsCenter's Instagram. It showed the, the second-to-last play of the game where Saban was really PO'd about uh, the sack, you know, where, yeah. he, where he lost, like, double-digit yards. He was so mad, and he threw his headset and all that. And then the next play they score, and he was, like, triumphant and, like, so excited. So it was really cool to see, like, it was nice to see Coach Saban smile a lot last night after the game. Yep. No, I agree. And a very, very gutsy call to uh, swap out quarterbacks at halftime to Woo. spark the offense. And I think Tua was saying that the goal originally was to swap them out like every other drive or something like that. And, you know, obviously they rolled with the hot hand, and it was cool just to see a, a freshman quarterback succeed and you know, obviously, like you said, it's it's good for the program. And yeah. uh, at both programs, those guys are going to be powerhouses for a while, you know. Yeah, and we'll kind of address the elephant in the room here. With uh, We've had a lot of people that have messaged both you and I um, last night about the kickers. And, and obviously, Rodrigo has just improved so well. He struggled at the beginning, and, and he ended up being one of the best kickers in FBS and all of, all of college football uh, last, last night, finishing it off. And I think he's going to have a good career. And, but, you know, Andy Papanatos, um, he's, he's had a pretty steady season, you know, and it's just, I think, being in the spotlight at the biggest program in the country, arguably, that when you miss a kick and it happens to be in the high-pressure situations at Alabama, everyone just assumes that Alabama has the worst kicker in the country or something, but that's not necessarily the case, Chris. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's, he's oh. done well. I mean, he made he even made a... A 43, I think, from the middle. I think he made a kick from the right hash, you know, and it just it's just a couple of those pressure kicks this year. He just got a little unfortunate, and I think I think he kind of came in it a little too hard, kind of crunched at it, and and got his foot up on the right side of the ball and didn't hit it very clean, and just it, it didn't work out for him. But I know that uh, I know that he's happy that Alabama won the game. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the icing on the cake, and. You know, you know, as a kicker, you know, personally, I missed one in the playoffs at the high school level. Now, granted, that's not Alabama level, but that, you know, those types of misses do stick with you for a little bit. But at least they won, and um, that doesn't have to probably follow them as, much, as hard as it would be as if Alabama would have lost. But um, how would you, if you were in that situation and you had a missed kick, how would you go about trying to rebound from that miss and try to improve yourself moving forward, Brian? Well, the, th the thing is, is I lived that at the arena level in 2008. So we made it to the championship game uh, in 2008. We were 18-1 and going into that game. 
and our 20th game was the championship game, and uh, I had a chance to win it uh, before overtime, and it was like a 33-yarder, remember, kick on nine-foot posts, and I missed it just a hair right. Um, actually, sorry, I'm talking about two different things here, but I'll, I'll go into that. So I missed that kick. We go into overtime. We lose. So that was just terrible feeling because you, you had a golden opportunity to win the game, and you didn't, and then we lost. Uh, so then the next year, we go 20-0, and all right? Um, we play. We go to Vegas championship game. We killed a team like 74 to 24, just crushed them. I mean, we knew that we had the championship in the bag, arena football championship in the bag. But I had my worst game ever in that particular game. I went six for ten on Pats, and normally I'm like a nine for nine guy, nine for ten, seven for eight, eight for eight guy. So you know, if you miss one extra point in the arena league, it's okay. You know, but when you miss four in arena game, you. It wasn't a good game. So what happened was, and this is me being a 24-year-old, I mean, I went 6 for 10 for Pats, but no one, I mean, when you really look back on it, no one really cared because we won by 50 points. We, we won the championship, and the team mm-hmm. the team did their job. So exter- so internally, I it, it sucked for me because I was so hard on myself that I, I wish I would have done better. Externally, I almost had to put a facade. I had to act different, you know, because I had to, like, act excited. You know, the confetti, all that stuff's happening, champagne, all that. But really, deep down, I was just so – but if I really, like, took a couple steps back and, like, I had 15 or 10 10 more years of experience of life, I would have been like, screw it. I mean, I had a bad game, but I really need to be in the moment here and enjoy it. You know, Mm -hmm. so I think just just telling kids in the future it's going to be so hard for them because they're young – is when you get in a situation like that and you still win the game, try to just not dwell on it and think about it. Stop worrying about what other people think and just really be in the moment. Because most of their teammates are probably like, come on, kicker, whatever, man. Like, we won the game. Let's go. Let's have some fun. Let's enjoy this thing. And you're like, kind of like, yeah, but I missed three kicks or I missed two kicks. And it's like, who cares? Like, we won the national championship. So I really hope that Andy um, was in the moment last night and – and hopefully he, he enjoyed uh, winning a national championship. Yeah, I agree. And I even today sent him a little message on Instagram, just kind of giving him some well wishes and, and having his back sort of thing. And I'm, hopefully more people are doing that than anything, you know, having his back. So. No doubt. I mean, he, he, still had, he still had a good season. I mean, he was, he ste- he was steady. Steady's not necessarily a bad word. I mean, we want to we be perfect, but – I mean, I was even considered steady in my college career. But, uh, hey, either way, great game, great football game. Um, special teams wins and loses football games. I mean, yep. the, the kickoff coverage team for Alabama was vicious last night. Um, oh, my, the, yes. The punt return unit for Georgia showed, showed flashes. Rodrigo was hitting monstrous touchbacks. He even hit a – kickoff from the 20 yard line down to the four yard line i mean so special teams wins and loses games kickers and specialist lives do matter and so i do think in the you know in the future it's it's always going to be the case where the kicking game is going to be just as important as the offensive and defensive thirds yep no i agree i agree (laughs) real quick though i gotta ask you a random question sure next year who do you think wins who who do you think wins the college football championship next year? Ooh, that's a good one. I see. I think so. UCF. I don't think they'll be a top four team yet. I think they're going to be kind of like that, you know, Boise State from a number of years ago, where where they always they always went undefeated, but they didn't, they didn't get their respect until they did it like three or four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet you Georgia's in the top four again, and, and Alabama's in the top four. There's got to be a Big Ten team that's probably in the mix. Um, probably Penn State, I bet. Um, and then probably an ACC's team. Um, I just can't think of who it might be, you know. But uh, I bet you get two out of the four returns for sure. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good answer for just on the spot, not even you know knowing what I was going to ask you. That's that's it's tough because you don't really know, you know, how these recruiting classes are going to pan out. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I will tell you though, when you look at Tua. And how he played last night, as a as a true freshman, I mean that that kid played really well. 
Yeah, so. that's awesome. That is great. So exciting for you guys, and um, hopefully our Minnesota Gophers were a little bit more in the mix next year than we were this year. But uh, hey, how about them Vikings though, and how about them Saints? Yeah. So guys, I'm sure you all have been following the NFL. You know, my Vikings. Uh, we're doing well. We're the second seed in the NFC, and we are going up against the New Orleans Saints, uh, team we played first home game of the year, and and actually, uh, fellow interviewee. Uh, Will Lutz, kick for the Saints. Um, we're going to go up against him again. And uh, if you guys want to hear the interview, he had a fantastic interview about the grind and, and how he prepares for the games and the weeks and his off seasons. And if you guys want to check it out, uh, it's one of our earlier podcasts as well. So uh, make sure you listen to that one. And actually, our other interviewee, other NFL kicker, Matt Bryant, uh, Atlanta. They advanced to the playoffs, right? Uh, I think there were six seed advancing, right? Yeah, but did, are they playing this weekend or are they lose? Oh, gosh. Wait, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think what I saw on a sports page was they were comparing Georgia and the Falcons last year losing um, on the last play of the game or something like that. Let me uh, pull it up here real quick. I got it right. Yeah. No, you're right. My fault, Chris. Falcons are playing at the Eagles. Yeah. Wowzer. Dude, what if the Eagles – advance to the Super Bowl this year. Well, that'd be interesting. Um, you know, they are saying, at least on the NFC side, uh, the Saints and the Vikings are the two teams to beat on on, on that side. Unfortunately, they're going up against each other. unfortunately, they're playing each other. So, yeah, it would exactly. be sweet to see a Patriots-Eagles matchup in the Final Four. I'm rooting for a Vikings-Jaguars matchup. I think that would be awesome. Uh, I've always kind of liked the Jaguars, just, you know, the the young team that's only been around for about 20 years. But, yeah, uh, I'm kind of torn because I've always liked, like, when every, when anyone's asked me on Instagram or just in general, hey, what's your favorite NFL team? Well, we don't have an NFL team in Alabama, so Alabama. Well, they're not an NFL team, even though they probably could play with the Browns at least. So I've always said the Vikings because when I was younger, domes were pretty sweet to, like, see, like, you know. So I would always see that purple color was always kind of cool. Um, seeing the one bar kicker, uh, Gary Anderson play was cool. And then, and then Randy Moss and Chris Carter were like so awesome to watch playing. So like, for some reason, I think I like always kind of liked Minnesota Vikings, but it's not like I was like a hardcore fan. Yeah. But when you have Lutzy who, you know, I've gotten to work with and helped, he's helped at some of our camps, you know, and he's been in our podcast and all that. And then just to see him blossom and do so well, it's kind of like, I'm like 51% Saints, 49% Vikings right now, Chris. Yeah. Well, I got my loyalties to my Vikings. However, <laughs> if the Vikings go down, I'd probably cheer for the Saints. However, looking at the teams in the league, back when the, the two best teams we've had in the last 20 years, we lost to the Falcons. Uh, Gary Anderson missed his big field goal. Oh, that perfect season. And then we lost to the Saints with Brett Favre. And uh, so... We got we got some some opened wounds here of teams that we played against in, in like NFC Championship type games. So so that's that's probably who I'm rooting for. Vikings first, then I'll, then Saints, you know, and then I want the Jaguars on the other side. I just want a new team to to make it. And they're kind of a young and up and coming team. Hey, let's do a quick shout out to Jmy. Yeah, man. So congratulations to Jason Myers. He is a friend of ours. Uh, through the last kind of three to four years of doing camps together, NFL free agent, spent, uh, was it two years with the Jaguars or three years? Uh, I think I think two years. Two years, yeah. yeah. I ended up, unfortunately, getting cut and just got picked up by the Seattle uh, Seahawks. So congratulations. I think it was on a futures contract, but I think I also heard, that was, was Blair Walsh cut or is he, was that just sort of like? He got cut. So I guess so that means either it's his spot then, right? either Jmi is the guy or the Seahawks draft a kicker to to compete with Jmi, yeah. or, or sign a fr undrafted free agent to compete with him. But I bet they are probably stoked to have Jason because you know to have more consistency than Blair. You know Blair's been up and down, but he, I mean he's still better than what what we can say, Chris. You and I never kicked a ball in the league for a twenty thousand dollar paycheck, so a week, yeah. you know, or every two weeks. So either way. Uh, congrats, Jason Myers. Probably not listening to this, but if you do, um, congrats to you, man, and, and definitely rooting for you. And, and 
of course, Giorgio and, uh, you know, some, we're not going to give away who we're going to be interviewing, um, here in the next three to four weeks. There's some newer guys, some fresh faces that, that you guys probably are starting to pick up on, but we, we will lay down that list here soon. So let, let's get into the next, uh, part of our podcast here. We, we're going pretty good here. Yep. All right. So segment two, our interview, and I get the chance to interview you, Brian Jackson, huh. um, about a latest endeavor that you've had. So let me just preface this before we get into it. So if you followed Team Jackson Kicking or Brian Jackson 20 on Instagram, um, you've seen over the years Brian Jackson's gotten heavily into doing trick shots, and, and, and some of them have gone viral. Some of them I've been a part of, yep. whether filming or watching and observing, and, and those ones have gone pretty big. And in fact, we even had a huge one that happened uh, up in Minnesota at the St. John's camp. We held four-day camp, went viral, hit it from the top shelf of the uh, stadium, practically, or really one one-level stadium, but made it still. And anyways, you yep. kind of developed a reputation of being a pretty good trick shot kicker, and uh, and it led to some sweet opportunities over the years. But uh, so. Brian got a chance to be a part of a, a TV show, and I want you to just explain it for us, for the audience here. So what was the, what's the name of the show, kind of explain the concept, and then where can we find it and watch it? Yeah, um, first of all, thanks Chris for interviewing me on, on our podcast, this is pretty cool, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, Chris Chris brought it up, and I was like, Let's do it, man. I mean, it's, it's not like every day us kickers or kicking coaches get to be on a form of a TV show. So I might as well talk about it. And I'm sure people are wondering, or some people have at least wondered that have watched it. You know, it's got over a million views on Facebook. But um, so, yeah, basically my connection through Whistle Sports, who's uh, kind of like my social media agency group um, that, get you know, puts basically uh, promotes me to brands. Um, set up this opportunity. <clears throat> they collabed with Facebook, the organization that everyone knows about. <clears throat> and Facebook has created something called Facebook Watch. So if you guys think about Netflix, you know, think about Facebook Watch as like an equivalent. You can basically watch TV shows on Facebook without, ad, you know, major ads or big time commercials or anything. It's a pretty cool concept since we're so glued to our phones these days anyways or we want to watch things on our phones. Um that's what Facebook Watch did in a nutshell, and they have had four or five uh, TV shows, if you will, on that platform. One of them being, I think, like the LeVar Ball show. That uh, Have you been watching that, Chris? Yeah, I, I love it. Ball in the Family. Ball in the Family. <laughs> so this is just like another type of series, and um, they collabed with Whistle Sports. And just so everyone knows, I was actually um, kind of one of the alternates, you know, before going, going into this. So I wasn't even one of the top 18 a few people uh, weren't able to make it, and so I got I got called the day before shooting, and they were like, "Can you make this day?" And it happened to fall on a weekend, which was which was beautiful. And I went and uh, and we did like a shoot for um, 14 straight hours at these like baseball turf fields, and we didn't know what we were gonna do. We had no clue. As soon as we got there, they brought us to a little tent. It was myself and two other um, social media influencers. They put us in shirts, and we didn't get to choose our shirt or anything. Um, and they put mics on us, and we had the mics on us from when we showed up at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning to, like, 8 o'clock at night. So we had the mics on us the whole day, and there would be a guy that would come and replace the battery and all that stuff. So it, it was crazy, man. Um, it What's was, the name of the show? The, oh, people sorry. people are listening to the podcast, let's have them open up their Facebook uh, Yeah, so if you literally it, just type out. in – Next trick shot superstar. Uh, you can type it in Google or just type it in Facebook. You'll see it pop up. Um, I actually just posted a picture on my Instagram, Brian Jackson Twenty, of a picture of the host, which is Ocho Cinco, and nice. uh, one of the competitors that I competed against, Austin Ray. And uh, so it just shows um, that picture. But yeah, so Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, uh, is the host, and so far. I think they've aired five episodes out of the – I don't know how many they have total have, but so far I think there's been five, and, and mine was the fifth episode. 
And so I think they can just go to Next Trick Shot Superstar and just look for the fifth episode and, and watch it. It's only 15 minutes, so it's really sweet because, I mean, it goes by super quick. Um, you don't have to worry about commercials or anything like that. And I, I just I really loved – it's kind of cool seeing, like, all the stuff we did and competed and, and what we recorded and then watching the finished product. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So the concept of the Next Trick Shot was, what, they brought in three people – in every episode to compete against each other, top guy advanced, right? Yes. From what I was told and, and what I'm aware of is, is there's 18 total participants. Each episode of the first six episodes has three participants, and then only one person advances. And it was a mixture of males and females and, and diverse athletes. Nice. And, so uh, it's, and, and it's for a chance to win $250,000, too. That's awesome. That's amazing. So, all right, so what were some of the competitions that you ended up doing? Because I've seen the five episodes so far. I'm following it when the episodes come out, and it kind of changed a little bit, which, which is kind of an interesting concept. Um, not, not every competitor does the exact same stuff. So what were the competitions that you did? Well, I don't want to ruin it too much for the audience, but uh, in a nutshell, the, the first one uh, was a series of spinning in circles, which sucks if, when you're in your mid-30s. Right, Chris? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think like yeah. once you hit your late 20s and you're going in your 30s and you spin in circles it just goes downhill from there like it's just awful so yeah. you basically have to just spin around five times and then you have to throw a ball off of a platform and hit a target that's like X amount of feet away and if you don't hit that target you have to do five more spins so I probably did like a thousand spins in that single competition once you land that target, then you have to do a bottle flip on the platform, and you don't have to do any more spins, and then you just kind of do the same thing for the three targets. And, and the, basically, the first one that wins that competition gets higher points than second place and third place. That's awesome. So, so you know, in our industry, kickers specialists, you know, we're, a, we're kind of a small fraternity. What I've learned over the last few years, Brian, with, with watching you do your trick shots, there's almost like a smaller community and fraternity of, of trick shotters. Um, who are some of the ones that were involved with the show that, that, that you knew? And, and are there any names out there that everybody kind of knows about that, that uh, they might get excited to see? Besides you, obviously, we all want to see you on the show. Uh, well, Ocho Cinco, the actual host, is pretty popular. And he, he's, he actually did a couple of trick shots uh, like on the set, but I don't know that they were recorded. He's really good with his footwork. He, he can play soccer really well. So he, he was cool. Um, Indy Cowie, I think, uh, had already yep. has already been on one of the episodes. She's a super popular uh, female uh, soccer freestyler. Um, she's got millions and millions of views on YouTube. Uh, Juggling Josh, probably arguably the best juggler in the world. He's on there. Josh Horton. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I think... In tomorrow's episode, the sixth episode, there may be a chance that Destroying uh, has a chance. He's the kicker that was at UCF that for you know, decided to leave uh, college football to, YouTube, to do YouTube, and he's, like, killing it in the YouTube world. And I think he may be on there. I don't know for sure. You guys will have to check that out tomorrow. Yeah, you know what? I thought I saw an advertisement for it, so that would be fun to watch him. So, obviously, from a, our industry's perspective, we've followed his – his career and story as well, so that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, there's, so. there's been a basketball player from the Harlem Globetrotters on one of the episodes. So, I mean, definitely, you know, it may not be, it may not be like high-end celebrities, but definitely people that are super popular on social media, you know, that that have, that are doing trick shots. And that's exactly what the show is about. Um, Famous Los is one of the guys that we competed against, and he's more of a comedian on, on Instagram. However, he's played... Uh, different forms of basketball i think at the professional level um like like the lower levels before you get to the nba and he's really good at basketball so he you know he he made some awesome shots in our episode so if you guys want to go check it out it's got over a million views on facebook um you can type in next trick shot superstar on facebook or even on google um it's actually in the link in my bio on instagram on brian jackson 20 you or you could literally just type in um brian jackson and find my page on Facebook and, and find it because it's, it's, I posted it as well. So, uh, it, it was an awesome experience. No doubt about it. Uh, probably a lot of other details that I could talk about for five hours, but 
Um, the, the, probably the coolest shot that I got was in the second competition. There's a tire rolling down and I got to, I kicked a ball, a soccer ball at it and, and nailed the smallest tire. Did, did you see that shot, Chris? Yeah, it was amazing. That was sweet. Thanks, man. I, uh, so for those of you that haven't seen the, the, the episodes, I'd encourage you to take a look. Um, you know, like Brian said, his links and his bios and things like that. But even if you open up your Facebook app, you get five icons that are at the bottom. There's a little TV icon. I think it's the second one. And just press that and then press discover. And I think it's one of the highlighted ones. But I'd encourage you guys all to watch it. Um, Brian said, you know, like Brian said, 15 minutes an episode. You can easily knock out four in an hour. Obviously, you got to check out episode five, which is Brian's. And uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, I, I find it entertaining to watch. And it's I've actually ended up following a few of those uh kind of trick shotters uh, on, on Instagram a little bit just to check them more out. And, and so that's pretty cool to see. And, you know, um, so question, sidebar, Brian. Um, obviously, we talked about the show, but of the trick shots you've done, what are your two or three favorite ones you've ever done? All right. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Gunnar Robinson's trick shot. Let's just be no, let, let's just be real honest here, because most of us kickers and punters probably did trick shots in our day, but maybe we just didn't know to call it a trick shot. You know what I'm saying? Like I guarantee yep. you, Chris, when you were at St. Thomas, you probably tried punting a ball into a trash can ten yards away. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like you did. We all did it, but we didn't necessarily know to call it a trick shot, or ha- we didn't have Instagram or Twitter, you know, to yep. do that. So. I think trick shot, you know, and we know Chainsaw's been killing it. He's always been an awesome trick shots guy, and I've always credited him and gave him shout outs, and he's still doing awesome trick shots. And his name's Adam Lennon, and you guys should follow him on Instagram. Um, But I I think what really set this thing off, I'm just being completely honest and transparent here. We had a camp, I think, three years ago, uh, where where we had a little trick shot segment. We were like, hey guys, if you all have a trick shot, let's just do it. We got 30 minutes to spare before the night session. And this kid, Gunnar Robinson, I, don't, I think he's done now. He did play a year of Juco ball, but he's done now, unfortunately, because he's a really good kicker. He did a rainbow flip and crushed the ball through the goalpost, and it went completely viral. I mean, it hit Sports Center Top 10 that night, Fox Sports, CBS, Sports Illustrated, everything. And, you know, and Gunner got all the credit. And, I mean, we obviously got some credit, too, because it was our camp. And we posted it, but, you know, we tagged Gunner. And, and Gunner, it got so much pub that Gunner even had news stations coming to his high school the next few days asking him to do the trick shot again. Oh, I don't nice. even know if you know that, but he, he did. And um, I would say that's probably up there in the top five. Uh, most of the trick shots, Chris, that you're asking me about, like if my top, I think you've actually either filmed them or, <laughs> yeah, I think you've filmed them. So one of yeah. them would definitely be at Lamar University, the onside yep. kick in the, from like 30 yards behind the goalpost. Yep. But it was awesome. downhill, and I think I hit that one in like 12 or 13 shots. Mm-hmm. That, that was one of my quicker ones. I went through the goal. I onside kicked it off the ramp. It went over the crossbar and into a trash can, and Brad Hatfield uh, kind of threw the trash can. It was awesome. That's that's up there uh, with Chris and with Mark Lewis. Chris was, Chris and Mark were filming uh, at Petal High School a year ago. I uh, hit a ball probably 30, 40 yards, field goal kick, into a basketball hoop on the field. Yep, that, that was awesome. That was definitely up there. The one at St. John's, which Chris – and like 20 other kids were filming, but Chris was the main filmer um, at St. John's University up in Minnesota last year. Hit one off the, the stadium shelf, probably a 40-yard kick into a little trash can, and that took that took 27 minutes. And we kicked a lot. I probably kicked. Let's just be honest. I probably kicked about 100 balls. I mean, yep, I think you were in the 70s or 80s for sure. Because <laughs> it was, I think we were counting. It, there were bags of. You're going like bags of 10 or 12 and. Yeah. Around like the fifth bag and the sixth bag, but that's the life. That's and it, the life it was literally the last bag. You you were like, you only have one bag left because you only have like four minutes left. And I think yep. it was ball seven or ball eight. And yep. that made SportsCenter that night. So I would say those are my top ones, man. And I mean, we'll see what we'll do in the future. You know, I'd love to do more videos 
uh, especially with you. And I'd like for us to collab with NFL specialists here soon. And uh, even some more of our comedy skits have always done well. Steve Weatherford loved the video that you and I did, uh, Punters Be Like. Oh, nice. That was fun. You know, so I, th I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity in the future. And, and social media is not going in a way going away anytime soon at least in all of our lives i think uh, it'll be here for a very long time <laughs> yeah so that actually kind of leads us to just some uh, a future podcast that you can look forward to as we plan on actually doing a trick shot podcast where we're going to interview brian again and, and some others in the industry about trick shotting and what it's like and the real life behind trick shotting so just stay tuned it's a future uh, podcast we're planning on doing so um, so yes so alright let's just move on to the last segment and third segment of the inter of the podcast here we always talk about industry advice so the topic we chose to discuss and, and, and talk about here it's something that we've gotten a lot of questions on just in the last week is, is discussing official visits and unofficial visits and what it means because right now it's really heating it up for specialists getting invitations to you know, and, and talking to schools, and schools are trying to lock down their guys, so we just want to talk about official visits and unofficial visits and what they mean and, and how to look, how to read it, you know, and what the coaches mean. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think let's let's talk about the opposite first. You know, what's the difference between an, an official visit and an unofficial visit? You know, and, and, you know, any visit to a college campus by, like, a college-bound student-athlete or, or basically him and his parents, his or her parents, um, is paid for the college, that is an official visit. You know, if, if, if the college university is paying for, you know, your travel expenses, your lodging expenses, your food, that's that would be an official visit. Um, you know, for visits paid by the actual student athletes and their parents, that's considered unofficial visits. I mean, that, that's a broad, easy statement, right, Chris? Correct. Yep. Um, so, yeah, again, during the unofficial visit, college can pay for transportation, um, they can get the lodging, three meals per day, uh, both for the prospect and the parent or guardian, as well as reasonable, like, you know, like entertainment expenses, you know, um, sometimes they'll, like, if there's a basketball game going on, they, they can pay for stuff like that. Uh, the only expenses a college-bound student-athlete may receive from a college during an unofficial visit are just the tickets to the event. So, you know, if you're on an unofficial event, uh, an unofficial visit to a game or something, um, they can't pay for you know, your, your hotel that night, you know, or, or, or your popcorn that you get. They basically can give you three tickets. That's typically has been for you and your parents. Nice. So, Brian, is there a limit to the number of unofficial visits and official visits that a player can take? So the unofficial visits, just to my knowledge, uh, I think are unlimited. Um, I think official visits, I think you have five. Okay. For a short, um, for a short sweet answer. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one thing, guys, about official visits and just visits in general is I think they're important to take, guys. And almost regardless of if it's a football opportunity or not, you have to go see that campus. Um, we've all had, you know, I know Brian too for sure has, but I've had specialists that have looked up schools on the internet, saw photos, and committed to a school. Sometimes it's worked out. Sometimes it hasn't. But you need to go see the school for sure. You, you know, you got to see the athletic facilities. Sometimes you just know in your heart if it if it seems right, if it's the right school, the right fit. You know, sometimes the name of the school is not as sexy as a Power Five school, but sometimes it just seems right. You know, I remember checking out schools, and some of them were for just academic reasons and in, in sports reasons. And there were some schools I walked on the campus, and I was like, man, this just isn't for me. I just knew it. You know, and there's others. I was like, "Wow, this is this would be fun." You know, so you you got to go check it out. Um, I actually had some conversations with some D1 AA uh, coaches just in this last week. We were talking about it, and I was kind of using it as an opportunity to pick their brain about how they view these things. And and one coach flat out told me, he goes, "We won't make an offer to a, 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 a an athlete until they come and check out our our facilities and and what we have to offer." And and it shows a sign that you are really interested in their program versus just maybe somebody that's trying to collect an offer to let it snowball to other stuff. So, you know, coaches, coaches know how to play that game too, just like athletes do, you know, yeah. so they're going to make you commit as much as you can to spending your time to check out their facility and 
applying for the school and things like that before they 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 move their next take their uh, next move as well. Yeah, let me um kind of go back because I feel like I neglected the question you asked me, Chris. I mean, I, I kind of hit, I touched it, but I didn't go into detail on the official visits. The official visits, you you can start taking those basically your senior year, and and typically not typically you you need to be offered or, or asked by the college coach if you want to be on an, on an official visit typically an unofficial visit is where you make the move and and you want to call the the school and say hey can I come on an unofficial visit and that can be done as early as your sophomore year i believe maybe even maybe even your freshman year we got to double check that but an official visit typically a specialist kicker punter snapper if you're getting asked to come on an official visit you are getting recruited hardcore or you already have been offered and they're ready to seal the deal. Um, the the eligibility requirements are super important. You have to be registered with the NCAA Eligibility Center before you can even go on an official visit. Uh, you have to provide the school with a transcript. Um, you must provide the school with a standardized test score, typically ACT, SAT, obviously. Um, I know it's ACTs are more popular in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that we talked about what what's provided uh, there's certain things that they can't provide, like they can't pay for things for like for other friends or people that are there only just for you and your parents. Uh, another thing that's noted here too is what's not included is air transportation. So now if you're like you're driving, like they'll I think they'll be they will reimburse you because that's what they did at Ball State for us. They'll reimburse you your gas receipts, but they will not fly you um, or your parents. Um, Obviously, they, they, they can't pay for alcohol and all that stuff. If you're drinking alcohol on your official visit, uh, with, with you know, that's that's not good. Don't do that. Um, to touch back on how many visits you get, Chris, I'm just going to detail on that. Uh, you're allowed up to five visits to D1 and D2 schools combined. Um, you can only take one official visit per school, and there are no limits on the number of official visits you can make um, to D3 or NAIA schools. Uh, and also, you can't take a visit during a dead period. Nice. Um, so, another another thing too, how long are the visits? Typically, no more than forty eight hours. The, literally, they have a clock that starts on the forty eight hours as soon as you reach campus. Go ahead, Chris. So, I just wanted to share a story that I heard from a coach, uh, D one school. Um, I was talking to him just the other week about. Um, some experiences that he's had. I just wanted to share the story with him because, or, uh, that he told me because I think it's important to share because there's a stigma in our industry of, you know, holding off and trying to get that big fight, that big school that everybody's heard of and, and all that stuff and ignoring the schools you maybe haven't heard of that are probably good fits for you. Um, but this coach said that he spent a few years um, coaching at a big-time JUCO school and you know, the athletes there were holding off for all these big-time programs because they thought that they could go there. And what he tried to warn the students about was at some point in the recruiting process, if it gets really late in the game, and I'll say this is not typical for the kickers because sometimes they get recruited late in the game, but just for athletes in general, um, if you're getting recruited by a big-time school really late in the game, either something unique is going on there, and which could be good for you, but sometimes these schools are fulfilling a quota of how many recruits they got to bring in. And for the sake of our industry, if a school in May or June or July is, is, is recruiting you, chances are they maybe brought in a kicker that is their scholarship guy and they need a second guy to compete, and you're probably not their priority kicker. But you were holding out for that big-name school, you know, and that could be a positive or a negative for you, you know. You could – you know, you might be going up against a guy, but I'll say on the flip side, sometimes things come up. Injuries happen in spring ball, and our guys are academically ineligible. But um, I just thought it was an interesting perspective that he gave me that sometimes holding out for the big-name schools may not always benefit you in that you should pay attention to the schools in terms of how much attention they give you, you know, and love they're showing for you because that means they really care about you and you're not a number, you know, as a recruit. Right. So there's – there's ways you got to interpret your interaction with these coaches as well. So just thought I'd, I'd share that one because I think it was it's valuable to think about. Absolutely. I mean, it's January 9th. February 7th is regular signing day period. So I'm just really excited uh, over the next three, four, five, six weeks for these specialists because it's really going to be coming in hot. Season's over. You know, 
so there's a lot of specialists that are just been waiting, kind of wondering what's going on. It's about to start heating up real quick for you guys. Yep. No, I, I agree. So um, I, I think that the information we provided is super useful for these guys on, on official visits. And I think just the biggest thing overall, guys, if you get if you have a coach ask you and invite you to come on an official visit, that's like awesome. Like you are being either you've already been offered a preferred walk on or scholarship offer or they're they're recruiting you super hard. And it's really tough to get an official visit as a kicker. I only had um, Ball State. And then I had, I had the opportunity to go to Kentucky if I wanted to because I had a preferred walk-on opportunity. But I, I needed the money um, to cover, and Ball State was the only one to offer me a full scholarship. So I didn't, I didn't even I, – I thought about the Kentucky preferred walk-on offer and going on an official visit. But I think once we, once we went to Ball State and we really enjoyed um, everything, um, that, 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 that sealed the deal for us. Got a question for you, Brian. Um, what are your thoughts on if you verbally committed to a school? Because we all know there's still another signing day coming up, and maybe still taking a visit to another school after that. Is it is it good to secure your interest in maybe your first option, or does it, you think it looks bad to 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 take your verbal and and, and but go visit other schools? What are your thoughts on that? Because kids are definitely going to be in those positions. So. This is for someone that's already committed. Yeah, say you verbally committed to a school, but maybe another school that's maybe equally as sexy or, or attractive to maybe go to. Is what do you think? Do you, you still check it out and just confirm your thoughts so you don't have second guesses, or do you be on your word? It's tough these days. I think 17, 18 years ago. Well, how? Let's see, Chris. How many years ago did you and I were? Let's see, 03, I was a senior, and it's, what, 2018? So 15 years ago, I was a senior in high school. So that was 19 years for you? Yep, I was 2000 high school grade. Okay, so maybe maybe 18 years. So the, th the thing is, is, like, back then, when you verbally committed to a coach on scholarship, that was, like, a firm handshake. I mean, like, as firm as you can get, like, where, where the coach, like, literally squeezes your hand so hard. These days, it's almost like a high five. Here, here's a little high five at you. I'm verbally committing. You know what I'm saying? And 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 then kids just abuse it. And I think what coaches are doing is, is they're getting their lineup. Like they got their top four or five guys on their board, and they're just expecting. Obviously, they're they're hoping that they have the number one guy, but they know if that that guy flakes out, they have number two, and number three ready. So you got to be super careful, man. If you're verbally committed to a school. And then you decide to take an official visit, whether you tell the coach or not. It's a form of I, I know I know you're you you have the freedom to go do that, but I think it betrays the trust, and I think you're putting your scholarship at risk with the school that you're currently committed to. So, I mean, you could have a discussion with the with the coach and say like, look, I'm committed to you. I just want to go see what this other school is about, but I still think that my opinion, I think you're risking your scholarship opportunity that you're currently committed to. Cause then next thing you know, like if I was that coach, I'd be like, well, all right, well, how can I trust him when he's here? I can't even trust him right now. I better go ahead and get my number two and number three guy ready. Cause I, I don't want this guy to, to dip out on me and go somewhere else. Yep. No, I agree with you. And actually I think a lot of that is going on right now. You know, I've, I've like I said, the conversations I've had with coaches recently, they're, they're kind of getting their second and third backup plans ready just in case. You know, they've had guys that they really like, but they just haven't gotten an answer from. So, you know, so for those of you guys, if you think you're that school's first choice, at some point they're going to give you a deadline and say, hey, February 1st, we need an answer or else we're going to go to our number two guy or three guys. So, I mean, let me, let me talk about Mitchell Fennerin, for example, and I don't know the details of his story. This is just my perception. I mean, I know a little bit. We talked a little bit, you know, and he's been at a bunch of camps that we've been at and, and all that. And, you know, he's been with a bunch of great kicking coaches. But he's had a preferred walk-on offer to Georgia Tech for months, and they've sent him a lot of stuff, like a lot of mailings, you know, a lot of really cool social media stuff, you know, and they, they've recruited him hardcore. Well, when Samford University, a D1 AA program, came in and offered him a full academic scholarship, 
you know, he went on his official visit and he committed. Now he wasn't he wasn't committed to Georgia Tech, but you know he definitely liked Georgia Tech. But I think as soon as that Samford University offer scholarship came in and, and the connections that he has there and the coach and, and all that, he he went on his official and he he committed on the spot, man. So, um, you know, I, I think you guys just need to be very very smart, and I think you need to ask people that you're close to for advice and Chris and I would be great resources for you guys to ask because you got to be very careful and not make a silly decision to risk any form of offer you have yeah I agree um, one last tidbit I just wanted to share guys and it's just something that I've learned just in my life so this is almost like dad advice and it's just about making choices and for me uh, sometimes it was tough, you know, you always kind of wondered if I make this choice, are there any other good choices out there, what if something's better out there, but what I've just learned, guys, in life is if you've narrowed a school down to your final two choices, um, both are going to be great, you know, they're all different, you know, they're all going to change your life in some positive manner, hopefully, and, um, you know, when you're narrowed it down to your final two or three choices, they're all going to be good, and you just got to choose one, and if it backfires on you, you can always change, you know, so... Um, so those are, uh, just, just some, just some things to think about that, you know, just to help you from not just racking your brain on option A or option B, they're both going to be great choices for you and they're all going to shape your life at some point. So, um, but yeah, so that, that, that wraps up guys, our, our, our discussion here on, on official visits. If you guys have interest, we have a few camps coming up, um, ones to look out to. We have one coming up in Minnesota here this weekend. You know, might be a little last minute to attend, but we have seven spots left. And then in February, we're going to have some camps down in Orlando and Atlanta and uh, Arkansas coming up. And so we got some nice camps coming up. So if you do have interest in coming to train, coming to get evaluated, get our perspective, maybe get some really great camp film out of it, uh, come hit us up. Um, Special Teams FB on Twitter and Instagram and Team Jackson Kick and Team Jackson Kicking on Instagram and Twitter as well, and, and obviously, you know, National Kicking Rankings. Um, it's, it's a platform Brian and I run, and, and it's kind of the new hot platform out these days, and, and we're doing something different with it that's going to hopefully change the industry. So, um, you know, we, we appreciate you guys and the love you've given us and, you know, the 1,025 listens that we've had on our podcast. Um, thanks, for, thanks for everything, guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.